And welcome to our last podcast of August 2021. Here we are on August the 31st. Wow, Tomorrow is a brand new day, a new month. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a little picture of the fact that one of these days we're going to spend our last day on earth. And then the best is yet to come. We're going to go on to heaven. And that's our theme for our podcast today, following up on our Sunday ministry, where I acted out an imaginary visit to heaven. What will heaven be like? That's what we're going to talk about today in our podcast, just developing things a little bit more. Now, Paul, let me get you involved here by asking, what are you looking forward to most when you get home to heaven? Oh boy, that's a big, big question, isn't it? <laughs> um, most boy, I, I'd say, I mean, to to see, you have to say the, the to see the Lord and Savior who died for you um, with your eyes, with your own eyes, um, first and foremost, I think. But um, thinking about that, um, I think just the absence of any kind of worry, you know what I mean? Yeah. The absence yeah. of. Uh, the, the, the fear that something could go wrong, you know, and we all have those things, those anxieties and things that we, we struggle through and just thinking about the perfection of heaven and how that a future expectation of something going wrong or a worry in that way is going to be non-existent. So what must that be like? So I, I'd have to say that was that that'd be one of the big ones for me. What do you think are the positive effects of thinking, meditating on heaven, Paul? Mm. What does it do for the believer to uh, think about what lies just on the other side? Mm. Well, I think it puts it, everything that is on this side in perspective. You know, the scripture tells us to uh, that that what the, the trials that we are experiencing now are not worthy to be compared with what's coming. And so, you know, when we think about even even the probably comparatively little that we know now that scripture tells us about heaven even if even as we think on those things um to to you know compare those things to the things that we're going through now i don't think our brains can really fully understand that just yet but when we're there um just just the i I often wonder how how long it'll take us to forget you know you had mentioned in your in your uh sermon about how there was the uh the remembrance of some things that went on on earth for the, you know, they'd been persecuted. And, and so, but I think you, what the, one of the things you said was at least for a while, at least for a time. So I wonder how long that would be, how long do you have to be in the presence of God and, and seeing Christ to, for that to just simply overtake everything else. And so that's the, yeah, it's just not worthy to be compared. So anyway, just a thought. I appreciate your insights. I'm thinking of some scriptures. Uh, Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself from 1 John. That's a reference to the rapture of the church, but it's tied in to heaven because when we're caught up to be with the Lord, we naturally um, go to our heavenly home Mm -hmm. and enjoy forever with him. It really is a sanctifying hope. Uh, every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Uh, I, I think of Colossians chapter 3, which reminds us of our position in Christ. Since then you are risen with Christ. 
Seek those things which are above. Set your mind, your, your affection, your heart on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. And we need to think about who we are. And not spend so much time, as you've suggested here, worrying about everything on this earth, which is just momentary affliction, as Paul described it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think it also, as far as how it affects the believer, you know, Jesus told us to to lay up treasures in yeah. heaven. Um, you know, one, one of the translations, it might be NIV, but uh, uh, money bags that don't grow old, you know, um, it, it, it teaches us that, you know, everything that we uh, are, are treasuring up here now, the treasures that we think are so important right now, um, we need to be sacrificing those temporary, transitory treasures for eternal treasures. And, and you know, Jesus said, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So does that, you know, how, how am I, when I think about heaven, how am I? How am I laying up what's going to meet me there? Mm-hmm. You know, those treasures that Christ told us to lay up. Yeah. Um, in my uh, walk through my acting out, I, I described the new heaven, the new earth. And the Apostle Peter spoke to that in 2 Peter 3. And then he made an application that I think is helpful here. He said, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And then he makes this application. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sorts of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? (laughs) That's quite a thought. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yeah, bring it on, baby. (laughs) We need righteousness. We live in a world where there's a lot of unrighteousness, a lot of distraction, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. But a better day coming. Paul, um, I'd like us to think together a little bit about what we did on Sunday. I appreciate Pastor Paul's help as our worship music pastor and kind of setting the stage for us on Sunday. Powerful music ministry. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today in our podcast. Uh, I thought it would be helpful because I I know you pretty well, Paul. You put a lot of thought into the songs you select and the lyrics that you choose for what we sing during our worship services. Mm. The songs that sandwiched the uh, message, the the acting out, the dramatic monologue, if you will, on Sunday. Um, the first is called the Revelation Song, mm-hmm. and then the second, following the the little walk through the the uh, imaginatory message, was uh, is he worthy? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say speak just a little bit about scripturally where those two songs come from and mm-hmm. what they're really all about? Yeah. Uh... Revelation song is is one based on the fourth chapter in the namesake of the song in Revelation um, and talks about just the, first of all, just pictures the throne of God, just gives us, um, 
you know, John's vision of, of the throne room, you know, he's, says he's transported in spirit and in sees, um, has this vision of, of God on the throne and what that looks like. And that the song talks about, you know, uh, crashes of lightning and rolls of thunder and clothed in rainbows of living color, you know, all these things come straight out of that, that scripture, that how, how he appears and there's, um, uh, talks about the, the living creatures surrounding the throne and their job is to sing holy, 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 holy. All the time, it says day and night, they, that's all they do. Um, and so that song gives us kind of a, a glimpse into what it must be like to, to, you know, to stand before God and to gaze upon that kind of unbelievable beauty. And, you know, all you can do is say, holy, you know, um, which, so, which in one sense means entirely other. Yeah. There's no one like God. Yeah. He is unique and three times it repeats holy as if to imply the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. But what a description of God. What what beauty, what grandeur, yeah. what transcendence is found in God in the imagery and the actual portrayal of God with this living color that you've just spoken of. Yeah, and it reminds me too, just that the, the closer that we get to God, you know, even even in that that portrayal is it's the closest, right, that he's ever been or or, or has been in his life and so just be falling on his on his knees and and having to worship and just me even now the, the closer that we get to the lord through just knowing who he is the more that we're just overwhelmed with a sense of i just have to cry out holy and and that sense of otherness right the the closer you get to his majesty in his word and then even at that time in our in our in our eternal state you know just that he is completely completely like the the holy the the otherness of the holiness of god just that i am so unworthy of this and you are so good to even let me even to let me read your word you know in this life but but to approach the throne of god because of what jesus has done that's pretty amazing and so you know piper says uh god's most glorified in us when we're most satisfied mm -hmm. in him and our heavenly preoccupation is going to be our satisfaction in him and mm -hmm. just that thirst for more and more of the greatness of God the yeah. transcendence the infinity of God learning about him gazing upon him yeah. how about that last song we sang yeah is he worthy one of my favorites um mine too yeah that one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite writers and I always say I was a fan before that song got popular. <laughs> Andrew Peterson was the writer of that song. Maybe Chris Tomlin made it popular, but um, that's from the very next chapter in Revelation. Um, and I, I think the part of that that I love the most in that song, uh, it talks about, it gets, it's kind of a bridge to the song, but it says from every, uh, from every nation and tribe, um, every, every tongue, you know, He's made us the kingdom, a kingdom of priests to God to reign with the Son. He, he, do, he doesn't just save us, but he allows us to reign with him. He makes us sons and daughters and, and priests um, for all eternity. And that's just an amazing, uh, amazing thought. But that song um, is really a perspective song to me. Um, and if you know anything about Andrew Peterson, you know, he, and he writes openly and freely about this and some of his other work too, and even songs, but... 
he's dealt with a lot of just emotional distress and things in his life that you and I have, have gone through, which we've talked about at length too, um, on some of these podcasts even. And he just starts off the song with, do you feel the world is broken? And, you know, we can all just look around it, you know, today, we it's, do. Uh, you know, you, <laughs> Af- Afghanistan and, and things that are going on in our own country and all these things. And you just look around going, there's so much brokenness. Um, but it, 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 in Revelation chapter five, it talks about how there is a scroll and uh, is, is the, the question is asked, is there anyone that's worthy to open this scroll? And, and John says, I wept and I wept because there was no one that was found that was worthy. But then he's told, no, wait, don't weep. There's one who's worthy, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's the, he's the root of David. That's where that, saw, that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that lyric comes from. It's all straight from Revelation chapter 5. And, and, um, and that analogy there, um, the title deed to the universe, to the world, mm-hmm. is the scroll to which is referenced. Jesus is the true king of the universe. And who's worthy to open that scroll? The, yeah. the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he, he um, and we look to him. You know, we look to him. And, and the, you know, Kurt, the, the, I sing that, we sing that song a lot at Cedarville. Yeah. And I'm glad. There are, yeah, I love it. There are, there are certain lyrics for me of different songs that, that cause a reaction in me every time. Um, one of them would be like in, in, the, in the hymn, It Is Well, you know. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. That song just gets me every time. But the, the lyric in, in Is He Worthy um, is just a very simple question. And there's a lot of lyrics in the song that gets me. But the question is, does the Father truly love us? Mm. He does. He does. He does. And I smile. And, it, you know, sometimes if you're at Sutherville and we're singing that song and you, you Hear my voice crack or someone that's probably the lyric it's doing it on um just a reminder that he has he's gone to the cross he's risen again he's working all these messed up things on earth out for our good and for his glory because he loves us and that's a pretty amazing thought when you think about the majesty that it's it's talking about of who god is in revelation mm-hmm. good stuff paul <laughs> makes me want to Join together with Tanner here and just start singing. Yeah, Tanner was just saying how he's playing guitar, so we're gonna we're gonna get a band going here. Hey, a, a, a few little uh, insights that maybe would be helpful, obviously in trying to illustrate what heaven might look like. Mm-hmm. I did take some poetic license. Sure. Um, Randy Alcorn's book was so helpful mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I recommend it highly. The book right here called Heaven by Randy Elkhorn. It's a long tome of truth, Mm -hmm. but very profitable. And he makes a lot of, uh, if you will, insights based upon truth. Mm -hmm. He admits that maybe not all of it is exactly right on, but I think the Lord intends us to use our sanctified imagination because that's what God has given us. But among the things I, I wanted to explain here briefly, didn't really have time on Sunday, is that what we commonly call heaven right now is equated with the new Jerusalem. Mm. We're not on the new earth yet. Mm -hmm. So to depart and be with Christ is far better. Um, When we pass away, our spirits and souls instantly go to the new Jerusalem, what we commonly call heaven. That predates the, uh, if you will, resurrection of the earth 
and the heavens into the new heaven and the new earth. And then that, that new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. Revelation 21 verse 2, like I explained on Sunday, comes down onto the new earth. Mm -hmm. But right now, if we were to die, we would go directly to heaven in spirit form. Now, we don't believe in soul sleep, as do some groups. Mm -hmm. No, our spirits and souls instantly go to be with Jesus in heaven. Mm -hmm. So Corinthians 5 talks about that. Mm -hmm. Absent from the body, present, present with the Lord. I personally believe, um, I think Randy Elkhorn would agree with me, that there is, before the resurrection of this body, which is going to be buried, placed in a grave, if my spirit goes to heaven before the resurrection, then I believe God gives us intermediate bodies, where we actually kind of, this is kind of a, a deduction from maybe 2 Corinthians 5, mm -hmm. Bodies that look like our bodies down here, but they're not the final, perfected, glorified resurrection body that will happen uh, later on at the rapture of the church if we predate the rapture with our death. Just a little insight that may be helpful for people to know. I think we'll see each other up in heaven, but it won't be that final glorified body. But when we come down to the new earth, when everything is said and done, we will be in resurrection bodies and uh, transformed as a result of that. Uh, you know, there are in this book by, by Randy a lot of things that he explores. I, I just want to read you a little bit of uh, some of the divisions in this particular book. Um, he asks questions like, um, when we get to heaven, will we be ourselves? What will our bodies be like? Will we eat and drink on the new earth? Will we be capable of sinning? I, I try to answer those on Sunday. Mm -hmm. What will we know and learn? What will our daily lives be like? Again, I tried to address that. Will we desire relationships with anyone except God? Will there be marriage, families, friendships? Whom will we meet and what will we experience together? How will we relate to each other? What will the new earth society be like? Will animals inhabit the new earth? Got any pets you like, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will animals, including our pets, live again? He, he addresses that. Will heaven ever be boring? Will there be arts, entertainment, and sports? Will our dreams be fulfilled and missed opportunities regained? Will we design crafts, technology, and new modes of travel? He talks about these things in this book, and uh, I don't have time to address them, but there's a lot of questions that we really could deal with that uh, I think deserve more time and thought. Uh, one of the uh, greats of the Christian faith, I can't remember who it was, Edwards or someone like that, spent 30 days or 30 minutes every day thinking about eternity. Sounds like Edwards. Heaven and hell. Resolved, yeah. Yeah, that, I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe turn off the evening news turn off all the bad news, and tune in the good news of what lies ahead for those who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good to think about these things. Paul, do you have any, any uh, questions hmm. that you would bring to the table about the life to come that you would surface, and maybe what you discovered perhaps from your own personal study? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just thinking earlier of some of the questions that, you know, people have, that I've talked to people about, whether in counseling sessions or just, you know, shooting the breeze with other believers about theology and things like that, mm -hmm. which I enjoy talking about. Um, 
I, I think one of them that, that came up was um, uh, what about what about those that died before Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we know that, that Christ went to the cross and rose again, but there was a whole bunch of people that had faith in God before that happened. So, you know, what happened to them? And, and so that's one question that comes up sometimes. I, I think um, I, I always go to Hebrews chapter 11, the the faith hall of fame you know it says that um and i'm surmising in, in a nutshell but it says that those that went before were looking for a better country um so they were not ashamed to, to call god their god and and so those that believed so I, I think the answer to the question uh those that believed beforehand were looking forward to the cross as we look backwards to the cross they were looking to god's promise just as we look to god's promise of the messiah and um and uh, were saved in the same way that we are um, maybe you can speak to that too. I, that's, that's one of the questions that come up as well. Uh, Salvation's always been by grace through yeah. faith. Yeah. The, the content of what the Old Testament saints knew and believed, perhaps not as exhaustive as what we know, exactly. looking yeah. back, the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But they looked forward to a Messiah. Mm -hmm. And they had faith that he alone would bring them salvation. So mm -hmm. salvation's always been by grace through faith. In a sense, they were saved on credit. Mm -hmm. prior to the full payment by Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but as much believers and, uh, if you will, as rewarded in heaven as those of us on this side of the cross mm -hmm. as a part of the church. But the gospel is always central throughout the scriptures. And uh, it's important for us, even in this podcast, to emphasize that it's only by faith in Jesus Absolutely. that we ever see the shores of the place we call glory. Yeah, and they believed in God's promise just like we believe in God's promise, just a, a different direction, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think another one that comes up a lot is, I think you, you broached it just briefly, but the question of marriage. You know, we think of those things in, in, in your dear wife and mine, and uh, it's a tough thing to think about that there's going, and Jesus said, you know, they, you'll be like the angels in heaven. You, you won't be uh, married or given in marriage. And so that, that's a tough thing to think about. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit more just to help people maybe understand what the scripture says about that. Yeah. Um, I, I addressed this in a message a few months ago. Uh, while I will not technically be married, mm -hmm. uh, there is not sex in heaven per se. I think that's a picture of the intimacy that we enjoy with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we will know and love our spouses and kids, yeah, our loved too. ones, even more I do too. up there than we did here on the first earth. Mm -hmm. We don't lose those relationships. They're going to be extraordinarily special to us. It's mm -hmm. just that our relationships are broadened to include so many more people, and uh, we're going to enjoy all of them. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can read too much into that statement Jesus made. He was answering some, uh, shall we say, jaundiced Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> <way> to put it. <laughs> <laughs> in giving that response, but uh, yeah. people are alive. He said, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Saying, "I am alive." I, they are alive, and, and and they're in heaven in personal, you know, form right now. They're not dead and gone, mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of being forgotten by God. They are still alive in heaven, and so we're going to rejoin our loved ones up there. Uh, one of the one of the things about your message that, and I, a lot of people don't know this, I, I listened to the message basically three times every 
Sunday for the most part. I'm usually kind of backstage waiting to do my thing and everything. So I get to hear it three times. And, and the thing that caught me every time um, in your message, Kurt, was you talked about uh, these people that you, you thought you should, knew, you should know but you didn't quite recognize, and then you realize that it was your your grandchildren that uh, they they were you never knew them miscarriage uh, miscarriage yeah um, and I I just I wanted to ask you about that in this podcast too that's a really interesting um, just move my heart just just to think that the God of righteousness the God of justice that has taken um, that that has, has allowed these kids to be in heaven, even though they never really knew life as we know it here on earth. Um, maybe just speak to that a little bit from your understanding of, of Scripture and, and your hope there. Well, we believe the Bible teaches, even from Psalm 139, mm-hmm. life begins at conception. Amen. Uh, we believe that a soul somehow supernaturally, by divine act, in, in the procreative act between a husband and a wife, not only is a body created by God, but that soul comes into that child at that very same moment. Mm-hmm. So they are a very viable human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all continue on forever, either in heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. We don't stop existing. And we sometimes don't think along those terms when we lose someone in infancy, or shall I say, miscarriage. Mm-hmm. But because they're very viable in God's mind and heart, we're very pro-life, as God is, uh, He is going to resurrect that little life, mm-hmm. even though we didn't see it in fully developed form. Mm-hmm. And I've done enough counseling, so have you, Paul, to know that losing a child by miscarriage can be very grievous yeah. to parents. And they mourn losing those little ones. Mm-hmm. And the hope of seeing them again mm-hmm. is so transforming and encouraging. Mm-hmm. I just think it makes sense yeah. that God would... would uh, accomplish that for our joy in heaven god does things that are consistent with his character right yeah god is just and he's righteous and he does everything well so um i agree with you that's it's just a neat thought yeah Um, one one of the big questions uh that a lot of people would have that i i want to take a moment to address is uh i i spoke on sunday in very literal terms in all honesty, there would be a lot of Christians that would say, you are way too literal, Kurt. <laughs> now, it's just all symbolism. And we really can't be sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe the influence of Eastern religion and mysticism that uh, it's just kind of this spiritual, ethereal nothingness up there and you won't see anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of being generally in the presence of God. Sounds like a blast. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be very real. And I think very physical. Yeah. And I suggested on Sunday, if he resurrects our physical bodies, why would he not resurrect the first earth and first heaven in a new form? Mm -hmm. And the Bible uses very specific language. I'm just going to read a little bit here from Alcorn's book about this answering this question. Is the New Jerusalem a literal massive city? Commentators routinely suggest, of course, these are not actual streets of gold. But why do they say that? In part, at least, because of their Christoplatonic assumptions. Disembodied spirits don't need streets to walk on. That's what they say. 
Likewise, most books on heaven argue that the city cannot really be the size that's depicted of in Revelation 21. But this is what the Bible says. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. And he goes on to talk about that equates to 1,400 miles in each direction. According to one writer on heaven, it would dishonor the heavenly architect to contend that its dimensions were meant to be taken literally. <laughs> but I love the comeback by our friend Randy Alcor. If these dimensions are not literal, why does Scripture specifically give the dimensions and then say, by man's measurement, which the angel was using? <laughs> Revelation 21, 17. The emphasis on man's measurement almost seems to be an appeal. Please believe it. This city is really big. <laughs> I'll just close with this uh, little illustration. I have no problem believing that the numbers have symbolic value with the multiple of 12, suggesting perhaps the perfection of God's bride. Mm -hmm. However, most commentators act as if we must choose between literal dimensions and ones with symbolic significance. I'm not going to dispute that there's probably a lot of symbolism in what is used to describe the New Jerusalem. But I love Alcorn's take here. He said, we don't have to choose between the two. That is, the literal and the symbolic. And here's this illustration. My wedding ring is a great symbol, but it's also a real object. That's right. That's good. I'm looking forward to going to a real place with real people celebrating real joy, all because of what Jesus has done for us mm -hmm. in dying on the cross and rising again. Oh, by the way, right now he's up there at the right hand of the Father praying for us. Seating, yeah. But he has promised to return. Paul, what would you like to say to the folks listening in about our deliberations on heaven today? Mm. Anything you'd like to, to, to wrap up here with before I give a concluding comment? I think I would wrap up with the way that I started is that we have a, we have a hope in Jesus. He has... A, he said he's gone to prepare a place for us. He said, if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself because I want you to be with me. Where I am, there you may be also. That that was his love for us, and we have a hope. And so I guess I would just, I, I try to be an encourager uh, to people as, as much as I can. And so when you're in the midst of these uh, trials and tribulations and things that we all go through, um, or even the unique things that we go through, that we have a hope that this is, uh, this is not all there is, this present world. Um, we, have a, we have a better hope that we're looking for, uh, as that Hebrews 11 says that all those people of faith, those faith hall of famers, they were all looking for a better country, and so they put their faith in Christ. And so that's what I would say, is let it inspire hope in you. Um, it's not some fantastical myth well it's fantastic but it's not some mythical place that uh, someone has invented but it is God's word uh, his promise to us his children that he wants us with him um, that's pretty neat it is oh Valcorn's quote I mentioned it at the conclusion of the services five minutes after we die mm -hmm. we'll know exactly how we should have lived why is it that we who 
profess so strongly that we believe in heaven, spend so much time and so much effort trying to keep from going there. Death is the last enemy to be overcome, mm -hmm. and it has been overcome by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And the moment we close our eyes here on earth, we open them up in heaven. Mm -hmm. And remember to depart and be with Christ is far, better. far, far better. Yeah. That's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. That's where we're headed. And uh, I trust that you've made sure of your own personal relationship with Christ. And that if you're a believer, you're living with eternity's values in view. Thanks for listening in today. God bless you.